0: Hi, this is Meryl Reese, and enjoy 215 Live for some great sports talk.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of 215 Live, episode number 43, to be exact. Episode 43 is going to be brought to you by Voodoo Garage. If you guys don't know who Voodoo Garage is, that's our friends previously known as Bacon Licious. Um, Bacon Licious and ourselves here at 215 Live are, are working on cooking a, a little something up between the two of us, a, a little something to keep our uh, sports fans as well as, our, as ourselves highly entertained. Um, the guys don't want to say too much right now. But what we can say is there's about to be some seriously, sizzlingly hot fun unleashed right here in the 215 Live studio. So stay locked um, for our friends at Voodoo Garage and all the great things they got going on over there. Um, What you are not used to hearing is my voice coming on and introducing the show first. Well, that's because I'm flying solo tonight, people. My uh, two co-hosts, three, if you add uh, Lindsey, all bailed on me tonight. Um, Frankie's got... His son's birthday, and uh, Brandon is on a business trip, and Lindsay had some embroidery or something to do. She didn't want to come in and hang out with me tonight, but that's okay. She has another award to accept. She's she's got another Teacher of the Year or Teacher of the Decade award to accept, so I'll be flying solo. I got my man Taylor behind the glass. As always. Um, As always, of course. Uh, Just to fill you in real quick, tonight we're going to have, it's pretty much going to be all Sixers. Uh, What else are we going to talk about with uh, the Sixers playing the way they are, but... We're going to go all Sixers pretty much the whole show um, for except for an, a half-hour segment where we're going to have the man Bill, Bill Matts from Broad Street Hockey in studio talking about Flyers playoffs, um, a little Drew talk, and, uh, you know, Flyers-Penguins preview, whatever else comes up. Uh, later on, we're going to have Andy Jasner call in, do a little Sixers talk, get his feel on um, Sixers heading to the playoffs and some free agent talk, see where Andy sits on that. And uh, before the end of the show, we're going to do something a little cool. We're going to have uh, multiple hosts from Wildfire Sports Shows call in and uh, give us a little feel on the Sixers, um, how they feel about the, the guys going to the playoffs, and just kind of like their fandom all together, um, see where they sit, you know, with, with the uh, NBA playoffs right on the corner. Um, so Taylor, like I said, uh, it's going to be Sixers talk most of the most of the show. Where I want to start is 50 wins. This team's got 50 wins going into the last two games of the season. Insane. With a legit shot at winning 52. Now, if you can remember, they won a combined 32 the last
2: two seasons. Yeah, last season they had a 28, 28. and then season before that was the uh, dreadful 10. 10, right?
1: So 38 games the last two years. Um, I did a Sixers post game. The other night, and some of the stats that that popped up um, kind of wowed me. So obviously, everybody knows they won 14 games in a row, um, which is a franchise record. They're the third seed in the East by themselves right now. Um, I think currently they would be playing Washington, I believe.
2: So uh, I think the it's either Bucks, Washington or Bucks, Bucks right? Are at kind of back and right forth, now. right?
1: So right as they sit right now, they'll play the Bucks first round. Um, but what I what I did. What I was really surprised with, with the fact that they have 50 wins, is not only are they the third seed in the East, but they're the fifth seed overall in the NBA really? as far as wins. I had no idea until I looked that up. So right now they have Boston and Toronto ahead of them in the East, okay. they have Houston Golden State ahead of them in the West. They would be third in both conferences as far as wins. That's insane to me. Yeah, that's
2: top tier. It, that's, that's top tier. I would
1: have never thought that. I mean, with your San Antonio's and and you know your Indianas and the teams that you know they're always right in the mix. Your OKCs, all them. The Sixers come in fifth. Overall and wins in
2: the NBA. Aside from the Sixers, it's like the most odd NBA season in a while. It like, really is. All these players in different places. Uh, the Kawhi drama, which completely dismantled the Spurs because yes. Spurs would have been number two or three.
1: Right. And that's what I said. Like, with usually, you're usually seeing, you know, obviously the Clippers got blown up, so they're out of it, but you're used to seeing the They're Clippers. creeping
2: for the playoff push, too. It's, right.
1: But, you know, you're used to seeing them in the top four in the West. Yeah, you're used to yeah. seeing San Antonio up there. Obviously, Golden State and Houston, you know. In the East, it's always Boston, Cleveland, you know, Toronto, Detroit, Miami. But the fact that the Sixers come in fifth and that they would be in third in either conference tells you all you need to know. And the one other stat that actually stood out to me right before Christmas, this team was 14 and 18, and they were three games out of the eighth seed in the playoffs. They've gone 36 and 12 since Christmas. It's I the mean, best record in the NBA by far. And that Christmas.
2: was that was about the time everybody wanted Brett Brown out of here. Exactly. Now, now, now look at him. And everybody
1: was bitching about what? Joel Embiid's load management. Yep. This team has won 50 with the potential to win 52, with Joel Embiid being on load management for half the year, Ben Simmons being in his rookie year, Dario being in essentially his most important year, adding J.J. Redick, adding Amir Johnson, getting... Bayless back from injury. You know, you traded Okafor, you traded Stauskas, you bring in Bellinelli, you bring in Ily There's so much going on with this team, and they're still about to win 52 games.
2: Like, I would have thought this would have been next season, like maybe, maybe next season. Not this season, not Ben's first full season. Exactly. It's crazy.
1: If you think about it, they are five wins away from Boston right now. Five. With all that stuff that we talked about, low management, all that stuff. If Joel B plays from the beginning of the season like every one of us wanted them to, they're battling for the one seed right now in the East. They're only seven games away from Toronto with all that shit that went on this year. Mark Alf- another one. Mark L. Folks not yep. playing for 68 games. All that that went on, and they're only seven wins away from Toronto's one seed. That's insane to me that they were able to put all this together and add key pieces and still be the third seed, fifth overall in the NBA.
2: Yeah, that uh, that Okaford trade didn't look great, but, you know, you had to do it. And luckily, you could have—you just grabbed Ellie Silva and Bellinelli uh, because they were just sitting for there. For nothing. Yeah. Yeah, for nothing. Which is essentially—should have been the trade somehow, but— And that's what—so
1: you remember at, at a certain point in the season, Brian Colangelo was getting destroyed in the city. Oh, yeah. Right? Because he didn't do—there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of big deals— when he got rid of Nerlens, everybody's like, well, you didn't get anything back. You got a player who's probably never going to play. When he when he made the Okafor trade, when he made the Stauskas trade, you really didn't get anything back. And they were starting to question, is he going to fire Brett? Because it, Brett's not his guy. Does this guy really know what he's doing? Does have his head up his ass? I don't hear a lot of that now. No. That the fact that he went out and got Bell and nearly and Elie Sova for next to nothing. The fact that he talked J.J. Redick into taking less money to come here because of the culture of the team. I don't hear any of that now. I don't hear anybody saying, oh, you know, Brian Colangelo should be fired. The owners should fire him because you don't know what he's doing. Seems to me like he knows what he's doing because has there been any additions to any team in the league bigger than Bellinelli and Ilyasova?
2: Yeah, that's true. But also in the same point, like, he was handed a golden plate. Like, there was only going down if, like, he had to do something dramatic. True.
1: And, and yes, this was all 98% built by Hanky. Yeah. Yes. But Hanky put him in the position. He had to run with it. Okay? He gave him the key pieces. Yes. He he, he came into it. Uh, any NBA GM would like to come into a situation that you have Embiid and Ben Simmons. Yeah. I get that. But at the time, you didn't know what you had from Ben Simmons. At the time, yes, he drafted Markel Fultz which is the pick that Hinckley gave him, but you didn't know what you would have had in, in Markel Fultz. So at the time, really only the only known was Sarge and Embiid. So he had to build this team. Yes, you do have Ben, you do have Joe, but they're not going to win with just those two guys. Yeah, You have to build this team, and he successfully, like we said, got rid of Joe, or got rid of Okafor, got rid of Stauskas, two deadweight players, brought in Ilyasova, brought in Bellinelli, like I said, signed JJ Redick, which...
2: Turns out to be probably the best free agent signing in the league. And I'd say like two seasons from now you'll see that Fultz draft trade was probably necessary because that's exactly what you needed. A young shooter, a young guy that can play off ball too. Yeah. That just fits perfectly with the other guys.
1: And there's speaking of Fultz, there's nothing that makes me happier than the fact that he came back and played like he didn't miss a game. Yeah. There's nothing that like I was so fed up. With the Markel Fultz hate, I was so fed up with the fact that, and you heard it last week when me and Frank were talking about it. I and 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 me and Frank talked about this on post game after the Cavs game. I get the fact that you, as a fan, are upset about not being told what's going on with Fultz. Yeah, it was Again. it was
2: on both sides. Like Fultz had a sour attitude. Right. Like there were these weird little like, I don't know, like tweets and stuff like. It was just odd on both ends, and, so. it,
1: and it was, and that started after that started after Brett Brown came out and said that he believed it was something in his head, and Fultz took offense to it, right? God so bless he took Brett. The, he took the Twitter <laughs> like yeah. every young player does, yeah, and voiced his displeasure, and that. So when you know, then you start to look at it as a fan, you start to look at it like, all right, the coach is saying one thing, the player is saying one thing, the organization is saying one thing, the AAU coach when they talk to him is saying one thing. And nobody really knows what's going on. Is it an injury? Is it in his head? What's going on? Because when I watched him in Summer League, he looked like lights out. Yep. Then all of a sudden the season starts and the kid can't shoot to save his life. There was nothing that made me happier than the fact that he came back and looked like he didn't miss a beat. He's going to be a stud, an absolute stud. Yeah, like, it's Jordan pr- Clarkson is a legitimate NBA player. He shook Clarkson out of his shoes the other night. Yeah. Like He didn't—he had no idea how to stay in front of him.
2: It's perfect that they're blowing teams out ever since he came back, so now he's getting the play time that he needs. He's getting your he's boy's getting, minutes. Yep. Oh, who's my boy? Your boy TJ. I, I wouldn't back TJ, Here's but the thing. he's fine. I'm living in a world right now, right, <laughs>
1: where I listen to the radio today, and people are complaining because TJ McConnell's minutes are down. Oh, come on. I live in a world where they would rather see TJ McConnell on the floor. This guy called in and he said, listen, I know Fultz came back and I know that he's playing well, but TJ's meant I wanted to punch through the radio when I heard that. I told you guys from the beginning of the season that if Fultz was there from game one, there was talk that TJ doesn't even make this team Yeah, at a training camp, that he's not even going to make the team. He only played the minutes that he played out of necessity. If Fultz comes back 100%, I don't care if TJ never sees another minute. I'm sorry. Like I if he's the type of guy that can come in if if Foltz is your starter going forward with Ben, TJ's the guy that can come in when Ben and Fultz need a blow and keep it to like a four minute stretch where you don't really lose a lot while you guys are out. Yeah. And then he's the guy that comes in and blowouts either way. He's not a guy that you count on for twenty eight minutes a game. He's just not that good.
2: Yeah, he's just... I, I mean, people are just saying that because he's a fan favorite. Like, he annoys people. Like, that's really why they're backing him.
1: That's the same reason I hear why Robert Covington's plus-minus is one of the best in the league, because he's a fan favorite. But I know what my eyes tell me, and my eyes tell me, like, let's pump the brakes a little bit on the Robert Covington thing. It's the same with TJ. This guy actually had the balls to say he was upset because TJ didn't play the last game. Like, you could give me a break, man. It, it, it's... I, listen, I've already voiced my displeasure with TJ from the beginning of the season. I'm okay with him not getting minutes. If Bayless turned out to be what you thought he would be oh, from the man. beginning and Fultz was there, TJ wasn't even going to make the team. So let's just relax on a TJ McConnell love.
2: This shows how terrible Bayless was. Stinks. Like, absolutely
1: terrible. This guy can't even get off the floor when something amazing happens in the game. When they were when they were up by 30 at Cleveland, he didn't move from the floor once. Yeah. Like at that point, like just eat his money and cu- and cut him. There's no reason for him to even be there. Like when we're when I'm in the locker room after the games, he has just such a sour puss on his face. He doesn't want anything to do with anything. Just tell him to leave. Just go. Whatever. I don't know what his salary cap hit would be or whatever. Just
2: I don't want you near my team at this point. There's no need for it. It. I don't even get why he would be sour. Like dude, look look at the footage. Like. You're not really adding much here.
1: (laughs) And you're not that that good. No. He was brought in to be that veteran presence, and it didn't turn out to be what it—because he wanted to play more minutes. And they were like, look, dude, we brought you in for this veteran presence not to play 30 minutes a game. You're not that good. So either you're going to deal with your seven, eight minutes a game, or you're not. And, you know, he don't even come out with his headband anymore. He knows he's not playing.
2: (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not that hard. The patented
1: headband. Awful. So— we talked about how they're uh, currently right now a three seed. They hold their own destiny if they have Atlanta, and they have uh, they close out
2: Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee could be chippy, but that's yeah, about but, it. But
1: it, and it, well, the good thing is, if you beat Atlanta,
2: Which you should they're right, and we openly hold, take it.
1: the Sixers hold a game on Cleveland. Okay. We have two left. Cleveland has one. Yeah. So if you beat Atlanta, you're going to get that three seed anyway. Which is good because then you go into Milwaukee and rest your guys.
2: And then the Cleveland plays uh, Knicks twice, and they're not going to try at all. No.
1: So we have a game in hand. So the Sixers hold their their own destiny. So we talked about um, some of the teams that, you know, they could potentially play. And and Steve Libran from Crack Bell Crew did a post game with me last night. And we kind of went down the list a little bit of potential matchups and who's going to be under the Sixers. Um so we talked about obviously you know you're not going to see Cleveland until the Eastern Conference finals if the seeds stay the way they are you're you're gonna either see obviously Indiana Washington or Milwaukee in the first round uh, I'm sorry in Miami um as it stands right now they played uh Washington or Milwaukee you said the seven yeah all right as they stand right now they play Milwaukee so if you start you start putting the matchups together as far as the teams underneath of us, the only team that I would really be worried about is Miami. And the only reason I say Miami is because they always play us really tough. The Embiid and whiteside thing always rears yep. its head. Those two always battle. You still have D Wade that showed against the last time we played him that he could still hit a big shot.
2: You know I still can't believe that.
1: Awful. Dragic <laughs> is gonna get his points. You know, they have a couple bums that come off the bench that can score here and there.
2: Bam out of bayu is pretty damn good
1: too. So it's it's a team that is young enough to battle with you. And like I said, when when you, Steve made a good point, and I and I disagreed with him last night, but I thought more about it after the post game, and and I, I kind of agree with it now. The one thing that I'm worried about with Joel, is his maturity with the battle with Whiteside, because I, I wanna I wanna hope because he wants to, he wants to go at Whiteside so hard all the time, yeah, that he tends to get himself in foul trouble and he tends to, do things that he maybe shouldn't do. I think he tries to break them down too much. Yeah. I think he tries to face up against him too much. And I think that gets him kind of... I think the last time they played, he had a really bad game. He only ended up with like 17. Um, and he was in foul trouble early. And I think that was the fact that he wants to get at Whiteside as much as he does. That could be an issue.
2: I think everybody would put him in the mindset. Like, you know, they always say, like, playoffs, completely different game. Right. You got to clear your head. You got to... Do everything right. I think everybody on the team is going to push that onto him.
1: But that's what I'm hoping. And that's the kind of point that I made to Steve post game last night was that I I hope that once the playoffs start, you know, your Bellinelli's and your Sova's, um, you know, your Amir Johnson's, you know, he's been to a title, he's won a ring, that these guys can say, listen, I know you want to go on Twitter and talk about how you cooked his ass in game one. Yeah. But, like, you can't overdo it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't have the whole game revolve around how bad you want to make Whiteside look. Just play your game. If he plays his game, nobody in the NBA can stop him. Exactly. Regardless. I don't care who it is. He's proved that Dwight Howard looks like a dwarf next to him. If you talk about Whiteside, I mean, name any of the other, you know, Valachunas and Toronto, none of these guys at that position can stop him if he plays his game. The biggest problem I have with Embiid— is when he tries to do too much. Now, we talked on previous episodes how Brett Brown told us after one of the games that he tells Joel he wants him to shoot seven, eight, three-pointers a game. Now, whether we agree with that or not not as fans, that's what Brett has put on Joel's plate. I want you shooting seven, eight, threes a game. Now, if you watch the game, there's times where that frustrates you because you know... He can dominate underneath.
2: Yeah, he'll destroy you if he's right at Regardless, the basket. Yeah,
1: I think he falls into a lull of too much face-up game, and I think he falls into a lull of too much trying to break guys down. If he just gets in the in the lane, backs guys down, he's got he's got the Elajuan moves. Yep, he can break anybody down, but he just falls into a lull of being too much of a jump shooter, and I think. If anything's gonna hurt them in a playoff, it's gonna be that where he doesn't he doesn't know what his role should be. And he's still young, I get it. But somebody's gotta get in his ear and tell him, Listen, it's not all about you and Whiteside.
2: Yeah, love him, but I mean that pump fake and then drive the basket, you know he turns it over every single time. He every does time. that. Every time. And he gets time. the ball
1: knocked out of his hands yep. all the time. Like he has to work on strength of his hands in the offseason. Yeah. Because there's, there's guards that knock the ball away from him. Yep. We talked about Shaq, and I, and I know, number one, it was different errors and completely different players. You know, Shaq didn't have the Olajuwon moves. Shaq was basically bully ball. But once Shaq got the ball, he, like, he didn't lose it. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't get the ball knocked away from him. He didn't get pushed off the block. When he got the ball low, you know I either got to foul him or he's going to cook my ass because yep. he's got the ball. Joel's got to get in that mentality. He's gotta get strong enough with the ball that when he catches it deep, it's pretty much death and taxes at that point.
2: Yep, you two I mean? two dribbled, you know, hook shot. Done. Slam dunk. That's it. That's it. That's just it. two dribbles. You're good.
1: There's there's I, I think I think because Joel's personality is the way that it is, and because he's so like on Twitter and you know, he just had a beef with, with Donovan Mitchell today, you know, that's his thing that I think he doesn't have the intimidation factor that he needs to have as a player. Because there's guards, like I said, that knock the ball away from him. When Shaq called the ball deep, everybody got out of the way. Yeah. Except for the center <laughs> that had no choice. Right? Joel needs to have that to where, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to joke with you. Like Shaq does it. I'm going to joke with you off the court. We're going to be boys or whatever we are. But when we're on this court, this is my house. This is my paint. You're not going to come down here as a point guard and knock a ball away from me. You're not going to push me, foul me hard. When I get the ball... It's going to be me in the center, and that's it. And I think if he does that, other than, like I said, other than Miami, there's not really another team. Like, you know, who's the idiot in Washington? Yeah, Gortot. Gortot wants nothing to do uh, with Joel. Uh, Miles
2: Turner's pretty good, but, I mean, he, he's not going and to match up with Miles Turner's good because Joel. he's athletic. Yeah.
1: So Indiana could give us problems because Miles Turner's athletic, so he can pull Joe away from the, the basket. Yeah. But other than that, there's no big man – you're going to be afraid of. You're not going to be afraid of Aaron Baines from Boston. You're not afraid of Valentunas. Valentunas kind of gets away from the basket, but he wants nothing to do with Joel. He's proved that.
2: Al, so, Al Horford might be a problem because it, he's always open with seven seconds left yeah. in that Boston offense. Yeah. I don't get how it's always happening.
1: But then again, if you think about it, that's not always necessarily Joel's guy. No, yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. So that could go either way if they put Joel on him. Maybe, but most of the time they want to keep him underneath for guys like Baines,
2: guys that think they, they get the offensive rebounds. Yeah, that's if something happens with Boston or if well, they win a ben, series. Ben's
1: been actually guarding Horford the times that they do play him because okay. they're kind of equal in size and, and, and strength. Um, but, I, I mean, listen, it, it, like like I said to Steve last night, the, the fact that the Sixers are now going down the same path that the Eagles took where you don't have to face Kyrie now. You know what I mean? Like, you, you don't like there's guys now, like Steph. They're talking about Steph meeting, missing the whole first round. Yeah. So, the, the now all of a sudden, like, these
2: stars are not going to be 100%. I mean, the weakest LeBron team since before he left and it, Cleveland the listen, first time.
1: Yes, they coughed up a 30 point lead, but they had a 30 point yeah. lead on Cleveland.
2: I mean, LeBron turns it on whenever he wants to. Like, the game before it against Washington, he was down like 22 points. Yeah, it was literally like just, seven minutes left. Automatic, like, yeah.
1: Yes. The one thing in the Eastern Conference is LeBron. As long as LeBron's there, it's not a cakewalk to the finals. But you've showed each and every game that you've played them this year that you're capable of beating them. Cleveland needed that game just as bad as the Sixers did the other night. Oh, yeah. And they were down 30. Oh, yeah. The Sixers were handing them their ass for two and a half quarters. Yep. So let's not just end without Joel Embiid. So, it, it had Joel Embiid been there, that game would have been over in the third quarter, and Cleveland would have been resting guys. So, yes, LeBron is a different animal in the playoffs, but he can't—he ain't going to score 130 points himself. Yeah. Okay. So, the rest of that slop around him has to step up, and that's where I'm Play not afraid. Some of that defense.
2: Team. Their defense is like atrocious. It has to be like 25th or like 24th. It was like 26, I think. When they played him, yeah, it has to be.
1: You know why? Because you got to bring guys like, guys like Kyle Corver on him because you need a shooter. He can't play defense to save his life. Nope. I told you what Jordan Clarkson did. Folks was eating him alive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Rodney Hood don't play defense. He's nonchalant on defense. The only one on that team that plays defense is J.R. Smith because he's too stupid to realize that he's not <laughs> good on defense. He just throws his body around. Yeah. So, listen, as as it stands right now, you're not going to worry about Boston. You're not going to worry about Indiana. You're not going to see Cleveland unless you get the Eastern Conference Finals. Toronto's really the only team that's going to have their full closet of players healthy.
2: Who who hasn't really
1: been showing up
2: the past two months.
1: Right. And when the playoffs come around, that team disappears. Yeah. But when they play the Sixers, they always seem to have their best game. DeMar DeRozan always seems to score 40-something when he plays them. Yeah. If you can get to that Eastern Conference Final with Cleveland, I think you got a super good shot. To make the finals. Now, what's going to happen in the finals? Who knows? There's really only two dangerous teams in the West right now: Houston and Golden State. Obviously, Houston or Golden State to get Steph back in the second round. You know, that's a different type of team. But you showed that you can play with Houston. It took a last-second shot
2: for Houston to beat you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, when did you think we were going to be talking about this? Like, how many seasons in?
1: I told you, I I I follow the stats every every game because of the of the post game and stuff. And when they said they were fifth overall in the NBA, I was blown away. Like I didn't realize that that they were fifth overall in wins. Like it's insane to me that all the stuff that happened this year, like we talked about, and that this team sits with a chance to win fifty two games. It's thirty six and twelve since Christmas, the best record in the NBA with with a team that is just thrown together in the offseason. season. It really was. Would you bring back four guys that are actually playing right now? Yeah. I mean, it's insane. Uh, listen it's it's and we're going to talk to Andy later about it I'm interested to kind of get his feel Um, he's been covering basketball you know for 100 years him and his dad so I want to kind of get his feel on on what he thinks but you know I'm able to put my fan aside and and the, the fan bias aside and really dig in and look at this team and you know we talked about it last week that you know, all your national guys are starting to like come out and make comments here and there that they were wrong. Like Skip Bayless apologized today. Like Stephen A. Smith, who's a total shitbag, bag, like came out and said, "Oh yeah, this team's going to East Conference Finals." Like they're starting to see it. You know what I mean? Which means that they, that it's real. That it's not just yeah, his teams, you know, blipping the radar. They're having a good, but you know, it's starting to be real now. Like your Nick Wrights and your Chris Carter's and. You know, like I said, Skip Bayless. all all the
2: talking heads. Yeah, they're all starting
1: to start to look at it and go, I mean, when Skip Bayless comes out and says, I was wrong, like this Ben Simmons is a legit superstar. Like this team is doing stuff without Embiid. Like it's the same shit that they said about the Eagles. Same exact thing. In the beginning when Carson Wentz got hurt, everybody was like, ah, it's over. And then he started to put the the wins together. It's the same thing the
2: Sixers are doing.
1: He won 14 games in a row, six without Embiid. Yeah,
2: no matter insane. no matter how this season ends, you can still look at Joel really bad with turnovers. He can fix that. Yep. Ben Simmons jump shot, it can. It's not going to be perfect, but he's going to work on it. Listen, if he gets a 15 foot jump shot,
1: it's a wrap. He's unguardable if he can start hitting jump shots
2: because now the, the ceiling's just teams, so high.
1: Teams are playing off of him so far right now. Yep. And he still cooks them because now he just blows by them.
2: Yeah, if you give him room, he's going to be way too fast and you right can't cover him when he's going to the rim. Imagine him with a jump shot
1: where now you feel threatened that he can hit a jumper. Unguardable. That's, that's what they looked at when they said he's the next generational player because LeBron is unguardable. If you play up on him, he's going to go right by you or he's going to body you. If you play off him, he can hit the three. He can hit the jumper. Benson is exactly like that. This is the first time since Kobe, since LeBron, that there's been a guy that you look at and go, "If this dude puts together, it's over with." Like, uh, if, even he, if he even gets a ten foot jumper,
2: yeah, it's over with. And he's not winning MVP because people are going to say he's retro. Just yep. wait for it. Yep, it always happens. Something like that always happens.
1: Listen, there's we talked about it during the All Star game. There was such a.
2: Showcase oh, of everybody Donovan loved Donovan Mitchell. And he's in Utah. He's
1: got the story. Like, ah, oh, he's in Utah. He's single-handedly putting them. All right, I get it. But this kid is doing historical stuff. Yep. Like, there's, it's him and then, like, nobody else in NBA history. Or it's him and Oscar Robertson, and that's it. And like,
2: Oscar Robertson was playing against, like, janitors in yeah, the like, 60s and 70s. You
1: can't dismiss the fact that he's playing the way that he is. Yes, Donovan Mitchell's a scorer. Yes, Utah is going to make the playoffs mainly because of him. Yes, they Rudy Gobert that team. is
2: probably defensive player of the year. That's right. also why.
1: But every single game, Ben does something more that nobody else has ever done as a rookie. Yeah. I get that he was able to sit around for a year and watch an NBA team play and work out with them and do all that other stuff. But we talked about it. Working out, like Brandon will tell you when he's here, being on the sidelines and watching it and reading a a playbook and working out is not the same as actually doing it. I don't care that he sat on the sidelines for a year and watched the team work out, watched them run plays. It doesn't matter until you actually do it. And the first year that he did it, he's the best at that position. He, He might be the best point guard in the league right now. Like, let's be honest here. He's up there as one of the best point guard, if not overall, in the league right
2: now. Yeah, him, Russ.
1: I mean, really, and and what and is Russ really even a point guard? You really don't even know what the hell position he plays. Yeah.
2: He's kind of all over. The he place. just blows by you. That's if about it. If you talk
1: it. just a legitimate point guard, which Ben is, who's is it? Chris Paul is probably still there, right? Yeah. Steph, you don't know what position he really plays. He's kind of all over. I. I he, he don't pass the ball, he shoots every time he touches it. If you're talking about legitimate point guard, Ben's right there in the argument. This is a guy who didn't play before this year. Yeah, he like a game yeah,
2: manager looking for other people. Yes. Yeah. And him and Chris Paul. Ben has
1: shown in the last six games without MB that he can take over a game whenever he wants. Like literally has a switch whenever he wants. And he's a sixer. You, you can't you can't help but to be happy about that. And and like you said, Taylor, six months ago, we never would have thought we'd be talking like this. But look at the position that they're in.
2: Yeah, I was thinking 500, you know, maybe 6 seed at most. I had him at like just under 40. 40
1: tops Yes, Because you look at it like I I made a point. You don't know
2: how many games Joel is going to play. You don't know how Ben's going to look throughout the whole season. What's the deal with faults?
1: I brought up a a statement that Mike Missanelli made before the season. And I asked him what he thought the Sixers were going to do. They won 28 games last year. I'm looking at it. All right, Ben's coming. You know, Ben's here. Dario's got another year. Joel's got another year. And we got Fultz. They asked him, can they win 40? He goes, no way. Like He was adamant about I said, how can this team not make a 12-game improvement with that, yeah. with finally getting Ben and being healthy, Dario being here, and Fultz being drafted? I said, there's no way they can't make a 12, so I put him at 40. I mean, they exceed, they're going to be fifty-two wins. I mean, it's it's and with a legitimate shot to make the finals.
2: It, it was just the Embiid health was just the only. I time. had no idea how many games he was going to play. It was kind of terrifying. It's yeah,
1: but I mean, <laughs> if you look at it, he's already exceeded all of his NBA oh, yeah. experience and college experience just this year. Absolutely. And you know. Knock on wood, that foot hasn't been a problem. So he's had all these other little nagging things, you know, the face and yeah. he had a, the elbow and whatever else. But, you know, everything else seems that what we've been worried about has been, you know, fixed. So, um, yeah, like I said, Andy Jasner's going to call in later. Um, I, I I wonder if he feels the same way as me and Taylor do. Um, I think he will. I mean, he covers the team. He covers basketball. You know, he's a smart man. He, he knows what he sees, you know, so we'll be able to. Talk to him later. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to have Mr. Bill Matz from Broad Street Hockey going to do a little hockey talk on 215 Live. We don't do much of that. I think we only have two guys that write for Wildfire Sports for hockey, and uh, we never talk hockey. We actually had Jim Jackson call in one week, and I think he hated every second he was on the phone with us <laughs> because we're not hockey guys. So uh, let's we're going to get Mr. Matz in studio and uh, pick his brain and – Maybe start educating some of our listeners to the hockey side of the life. Tune in on the other side. This is 215 Live on Wildfire Sports.
3: If you're considering buying or selling a home in Philadelphia or surrounding areas, then for all your real estate needs, contact Louis Reyes from Weikert Realtors at 267-648-7123. That's 267-648-7123. The key to his success is always putting his clients above all else. Contact Louis Reyes now at 267-648-7123 for a no-obligation consultation and let him
4: show you your possibilities. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a project at your house that needs to get done, but you're not sure who to turn to to help you out? Maybe you already started a project, but you're not quite sure how to finish it, and now your house is all messed up and you're stressed out? Well, here's what you do. Give our friend Chuck Reed, the handyman, a call. No repair or project is too small. Chuck will make your dream project a reality. Give him a call at 215-672-8875 or email him at handymanservices08 at comcast.net. If you if you're in Northeast Philly, Bucks, or Eastern Montgomery County, give Chuck Reed, the Handyman, a call. Once again, it's 215-672-8875 or email him at handymanservices08 at comcast.net. Why are you taking pictures of your receipt, Jim? I'm earning
5: cash back, Steve. By taking pictures of your receipt? I don't get it. Let me explain. It's a cool new app I downloaded called Wabi. I earn cash back when I eat, shop, or play at local places in my area. Just shop, snap, cash back. Shop, snap, cash back. It's that easy to use? Yep. I just downloaded the app, created an account. Then I shop at a Wabi merchant, snapped a picture of my receipt, and within 48 hours, I had cash back in my Wabi account. That's it? That sounds too easy. It is. I've received 5%, 10%. 20% or even more cash back on my purchases From merchants on the app Even better, I can earn more cash back When I share the app with my family and friends I just send them an invite through the app Using my referral code Do me a favor and send me an invite Absolutely, and it's crazy how quickly Wabi is expanding in the US Wabi sounds like an amazing rewards program Go and like their Wobby page on Facebook. That's Wobby, W A B E E. And if you're a business owner, check them out at wobby.com. Shop, Snap, Cashback. Now you got it. Download the Wobby app today. Use the referral code WILDFIRE in all caps to become a part of the Shop, Snap, Cashback.
1: Welcome back to another edition of 215 Live. We just uh, had some spirited Sixers talk, which is what you get a lot of here on 215 Live. Uh, It's good to have a producer that's as as big as a Sixers fan as I am to be able to talk, especially when your co-host bail on you on on, on the night like tonight. Um, But the beauty is, and and if you guys have been listening, what I talked about before break is, you know, obviously – Every t- everybody in on the show is you know f- to use a cliche a four for four guy, and we do all like the sport. Brandon's a little different because he played football, so he's a little different but frank and and me and, and Lindsay are all four for four. you know I do watch hockey i do I do love watching hockey. I love hockey playoffs. but because I'm such a basketball guy because I've played the sport my whole life and I follow so closely that I have a hard time putting as much into hockey as I do the other sports. So when it when it comes up, you know, people question why we don't talk enough hockey or, you know, where's all the hockey guests. This is where you get guys like my next guest in studio, Mr. Bill Matts from Broad Street Hockey. He comes in and he's going to school us a little bit on hockey and what we should be looking forward to going into probably the best playoffs in sports, which is the NHL playoffs.
6: Uh, yeah. Thanks for the great intro there. Uh, absolutely. I love the there's nothing like the hockey playoffs. I mean, 82 games. I enjoy hockey very much. But sport can get arduous. It, it, January, February. You're watching these games like do either of these teams really want to be out here? And the answer is no, because hockey's like painful. Right. Uh, so we're getting into the playoffs. This is going to be fun. Pittsburgh, Philly, one of the best rivalries in the sport. Yeah, I mean, you uh, can't, you can't ask for anything else. Been right? a little lopsided recently, but uh, last time the Flyers won a playoff series was 2012 against the, these Penguins. So right. looking forward to it.
1: Let's start, before we get to the flyers pens preview, because I'm anxious to see what you legitimately think about their chances. A lot of the talks around in this team has been Claude Giroux. Now, I think, I believe when I had you call into our show one time, we asked you, about Drew and whether the talk, you know, he, he had a down season last year. Admittedly, he'll tell you that the team had a down season. And a lot of the talk was, does he still need to be a captain? Is it time to move on? We had Tim Panaccio on, we asked him the same thing. You know, we know he was injured. He had the hip problem. Was it time to move on? You, you got a lot of the young guys coming up. What could you get for Drew to build back some pieces and maybe move on? Obviously, there was a position change. He's clearly had his best season, if not ever, um, in his career. And a lot of the talk at the game the other night against the Rangers was, is Drew MVP worthy? He proved himself in that game to be right up there with the talk of potential MVP candidates. Where do you sit as far as the season he was able to put together with the position change with all the over, you know, the, the turnover, with the coaching problems, the goalie, all that other stuff, that he was able to put this season together. Where do you think he sits when it's going to finally come down to the voting for MVP? Uh,
6: as as far as going back further, I was one of the people who was looking at not just last season, but honestly the two before it, thinking. You know what? His best days are behind him. Uh, I, I was one of the people thinking, not because I don't like Claude Drew, love watching that guy play hockey, one of the best players who ever put on a Flyers uniform, but all of a sudden he has 56 points, and you go, if this keeps going down any further, he's making over $8 million a year, this could get really ugly for this team. Right. Um, as far as the MVP is going, he's going to be top three. Right now, I think he deserves it. He's got uh I'm looking at uh Nathan McKinnon with Colorado, Taylor Hall with the with the New Jersey Devils. Both have MVP worthy years. I think you have three guys who are basically all have the same case. Yeah, Milbury brought up Hart the other night
1: on the broadcast, but that's yeah. that's because he's Milbury. Yeah, of
6: course. And I love like we're talking about the Flyers right now. Let's bring up No, man. Just, yeah, no, let's no. do this. Just you, let it breathe. You know why the Devils aren't on national TV? Because no one cares. Exactly. Like uh Claude Giroux it, He's got 102 points, 34 goals, career highs, and everything. Leads the league in assists. And to look at what this team was and where it was and how he even... He started the year playing really well. And the second two-thirds of the year, he was even better than when he started. The position change, yeah, left wing, he's got a little bit left to do, less to do at left wing. Uh, just defensive responsibilities. Sean Couturier is now 25 and Claude Giroux 30. And they right. said, hey, Sean, guess what? You have to do what Giroux was doing at 25 because... It's really hard, and the league keeps getting faster and younger. Uh, That said, he still Jerush still leads the league, or still leads the team in faceoffs taken, third in the league in faceoff percentage. So while his defensive responsibilities are a little different, he's still basically playing point guard. He's still taking a lot of the big draws. Uh, He is as valuable to this team as any of the players in the race. Connor McDavid. Probably deserves some some consideration, leads the league uh, 108 points. He's got over 40 goals. Edmonton is so bad. Yeah. But I'm looking at it thinking they're about as bad as the Flyers were, and the Flyers were, at least in Giroux's best years when the team was bad, a bubble team. Yeah. Or they would get in and get smoked, but they would still get in. Right. Uh, it looks like Giroux is finally going to get that recognition. I would love to see him win it. I think it would be awesome. Is he going to? Uh, Top three, finishes top three finish is a top three finish. It'll it, be great. How
1: does hockey look at it? So, you know, obviously in baseball, obviously in basketball, there's talk leading up to the playoffs of maybe who should win it. And sometimes people think, well, the playoff run's going to kind of push people's mindsets. Like, if you're a really good player on a really bad team, you probably have no shot to win it. How does hockey look at it as far as what if the Flyers make a run? Is it is the voting – over too soon to make a difference, or is that going to kind of is it is it open enough where that'll sway people to kind of think, well, yeah, look what what Drew is probably the most valuable player on that team, and look at the run that they made.
6: Uh, it's it's like it's like baseball and like football where the voting is done when the regular season ends right. before the playoffs start, and the Conn Smythe uh, Award is playoff MVP. It's not just for Stanley Cup final; it's for the entire playoff MVP. Right. So they kind of offset that with the other award, but uh, yeah the percent the it won't get announced until the NHL awards in Vegas a couple weeks after the season um and then you know it doesn't matter anymore right. no one cares the day after it gets right, but right. the big the big thing that's been going around because Connor McDavid has been so dominant this year but the Oilers are so bad what is value like right. would this team win any games without Connor McDavid i'm just looking at the Flyers like the case against Giroux is that He's got a pretty good cast around him, but I'm looking at Konechny's numbers before he joins the first line. Right. He goes up over half a point a game when he when he uh, jumps up to Jeru's line. Voracek goes down like close to half a point a game when he gets bumped down to the second line. Sean Couturier never topped 15 goals and 39 points. He doubled both of those numbers this year. 31 goals and I think 76 points. Like, yes, is very good, and people who have been watching him and the haters, oh, he's like a third center. All right, right, he hasn't scored, but he's doing a lot of good stuff out there. I always knew he was better than he was, but... He is not as good as what you saw this year. That's not him. That is Claude Giroux. Right.
1: So yeah, you have to, and that's that's a great point because I did want to transition to that. As far as the other the other sports, like we were saying, they kind of go that way with what is value. You know, if you're if you're on a bad team and you're averaging thirty points a game in basketball, it's like, well, you're really the only one on that team doing anything. Somebody's got to score. As far as hockey's concerned, my thing from what I see is I I, I attribute it to like what I say about Ben Simmons. When Ben Simmons goes off the court, it's a totally different game when he's off the court. The, the, the way that the game's played, the flow of the game, the speed of the game, like the the everything's just different. When I watch a hockey game, it seems like everybody just hops up a notch when Drew's on the ice. Oh,
6: absolutely. The other yeah. team,
1: the players that he's playing with, like Voracek seems to get a, an extra hitch in his step. Everybody seems to hop up a notch. That, to me... Aside of all the points and everything that we talked about, is his his face offs and everything he's doing, that's value to me. If a guy can come on, like it's like Crosby when he comes on the, on the ice, it's a totally different game when he's on the ice. For that thirty five seconds, he's gonna be on the ice. I, I I'm thinking it's the same with Giroux that everybody around him is put up a notch when he's on the ice. Oh,
6: he makes everyone better around him, and everyone is just more confident when he's out there. Because if he's out there, the puck's probably on his stick. He's going to get them in the offensive zone. And then no matter where you are, he can find you and set you up to score. That's how good of a distributor he is. Everyone, it's not, okay, i got to make sure my defensive responsibilities. Now Drew's got the puck. It's fine. I'm going to get in a shooting position, and I'm going to make myself available to him because he can absolutely get me this puck no matter where I am. And you said about
1: Katuria too, and that was a great point that, you know, You remember that series against Pittsburgh a couple years ago when he like dominated Malkin and that was like you thought he was going to be like, oh boy, this is what we're getting. And then he kind of just, like you said, he kind of just did his thing. He didn't really give you what you thought you'd get from him. The fact that he had such a season the way he did, you can only look at the fact that Drew's the reason that happened. The fact that it would connect he have twenty how many goals twenty some goals twenty
6: now? I think yeah twenty he had four goals before he joined the line and finished with twenty four that tells you all you need to know and that was like thirty five games it was almost half the season before he jumped up to that line he had ten points he finishes near the top on the team Drew's making everyone better yeah Couturier's eight, an eighteen year old rookie in that twenty twelve series maybe he turned nineteen yeah. Um, He's, he has a hat trick in one of those games. They beat the Penguins. It's a huge deal. You're just expecting this guy to take off. And he just never really, like, got there. Yeah. It was okay. I mean, he's looking good. He's We know he's good defensively. We know he's good on the penalty kill. He can do some certain things. But the one thing is... At a certain point, he was just creating all sorts of scoring chances, and they would never go in. Yeah. It's like, well, this is just now frustrating. Yeah. Like, what's the matter with this guy? And all of a sudden, you put him with Giroud, and yes, they're going in because, like I said, Giroud gets, gets you the puck where you're going to score.
1: So we when we had Panachon, on, we asked him, so you remember that about a five-year span where the only thing you ever heard from Giroud was, well, he's been leading the league in points in these five years. Like, everybody always went to that yeah. whenever you would criticize Giroud. So we asked Panac, why is it – so what – if he was that guy and he's putting up those kind of numbers for that five-year span with, you know, Crosby in the league and Ovechkin in the league and these guys that are the top-notch guys, what is it about Giroux that he just never seemed to get the love? I mean, to be left off Team Canada that one year, like he never seems to get the love that us fans here, and actually part of it is our fan base as well –
6: why doesn't he get the love that other players get in this league? That's a great question. Um, you know, this is the first time he's topped 30 goals. And I I mean, Joe Thornton once had like 18 goals and led the league in points and won MVP. So I don't know. But a lot of the time, uh, guys are just looked at as, all right, he's just a distributor. Or, oh, he just collects secondary assists and things like that. But I've never really understood it with Drew because say what you will about, you know, Philadelphia, some of the other teams. Um, we're one of the h- top hop- hockey markets in the league. There's just no question about it. Yeah. This is this is a team with a national following. That's why they're on national TV all the time, even in like the last three years when they just haven't been that good. He's the captain of one of the most storied franchises in the history of the league. I have never understood it, uh, why he doesn't get more recognition. Um there's a lot of different reasons. You know, he's that five year span where he's leading the league in points. You know, uh, a lot of it was during Crosby's injury time. You look at like the points a game, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, Crosby's like. Right there, and he missed 100 games in yeah, that yeah, span. Right. You go, holy shit, that guy's good. Right. But, um, well, that's a different stratosphere. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, but that's like, oh man, he's not Gretzky, so he must not be any good. Right. Like, all right, yeah, there's a lot of levels here. Right. Uh, Drew's just been awesome this whole time. I'm glad he's finally getting this recognition. And he finally has what we've always wanted. He's got a little bit of help. All I've ever wanted is for this guy to have a little bit of help. Like, he hooked Scott Hartnell up with 37 goals one year. (laughs) Like, he's just needed a little bit, and now he has it, and the team's in the playoffs.
1: Here's the thing, and I want to know if you agree with this. So, obviously, when he was given the captaincy, he was very young, and a lot of people disagreed with it, right? He's coming off of Pronger having it, Richards having it, obviously Lindros had it. The guys that were beloved in this town for whatever reason, and then when they gave it to Drew, he was given to it young, and it seemed to me from from being a you know as much of a fan as I am that a lot of people didn't agree with that when he got it. Do you think that plays a part in it that maybe they were like, all right, we don't agree with it. You got the C, you need to live up to everybody who came before you with the C, and maybe like you said, the secondary assist or or whatever reason it could be. Is that why maybe he was already dug a a deeper hole than maybe he deserved in the beginning?
6: Yeah. um, You know, this town, we love the guys who play like Wayne Simmons. Right. And we love all that stuff. But I think when they gave him the C, really, was it too early? Probably. Yeah. I think they gave it to Mike Richards too early. I think they gave it to Eric Lindros too early. But when you see, like, just the controversy that has surrounded that position with this team for so long – you know, you have Lindros, he gets it stripped off of him. I think Desjardins is captain for one year and yeah. just goes, ah, you know what, Primo's actually the captain. I'm just giving it to him. Yeah. Primo has debilitating injury. You know, we have all these uh, – Hatcher was captain for a little while. That didn't go so yeah. well. We eventually – you know, Mike Richards, we all know how that ended. Pronger has the injury. Yeah. So finally, we just want some stability. We know Giroux's going to be here for a while. Let's just put it on him and see. he knows it gets hurt. Yeah, let's just hope he grows into it. Yeah, and that's an underrated thing. Like, I realize he's he's not the guy dropping the gloves or making the big hits, but you watch him play. He goes into the corners as much as anybody, and he never misses a game. I think his career low in games played is like 77. Yeah. Like, this is the sixth time this year he's played every game of the year. Yeah. He's a really, really tough guy. And I don't know. I, I I think too much is made of the captaincy at a certain point because at the end of the day, the letters on the sweater are uh, designation. You can go over and talk to the officials when they're in the when they're in the officials crease. Yeah. That's all it means. If Wayne Simmons doesn't have a letter on his sweater, doesn't mean he can't stand up in the locker room and go, Hey guys, we need to get it going. Yeah. Like anyone can be a leader. I think something's made too much of that, but you know, Giroux deserves it.
1: I, I always brought that up about hockey, and we asked Brandon a couple weeks ago about that as far as, you know, hockey's a little different from football. Football has their guys that are, you know, like the Malcolm Jenkins and the Chris Longs and the guys that you know are going to, like you said, address regardless of what is on my sweater, I'm going to address what needs to be addressed. Yeah, Hockey holds that C so coveted that, like you said, it really does get blown out of proportion when it's like, well, why does this guy have it when Wayne Simmons is the guy down in the in the trenches doing all the dirty work? Shouldn't he have it? Well, just that's like Chase Utley. Chase Utley was the leader of that team and didn't talk that much. Yeah, and everyone Guys will tell you knew. Jimmy
6: Rollins was the captain of that team. Like, right.
1: That's the thing. But Chase Utley was the leader of that team, Yeah, and he wasn't even vocal. No. Jimmy Rollins would go in, and he'd be the one to spit and piss and everything else and say, this is what we need to do, and the one to go to the media and say, we're the team to beat. But Chase was the leader of that team. Okay, so Chase didn't have the C, but he was the leader. When when you give it to a guy like Giroux, I have no idea how old he was when they gave it to him. But you look at it like, is he? And this is the hockey traditionalists. I think that look at it is he the guy that can go into a locker room and kick over a Gatorade? And that's not necessarily what that C means. Oh yeah, like you said, it
6: really. To be totally honest with you, it doesn't mean much of anything. No, especially now. Like yes, when Bobby Clark was wearing the C, A lot that's things. what it meant, right. Absolutely. But now when they're putting it on eighteen-year-old kids, they're twenty-year-old kids, their second year in the league. Yeah. Like I'm sorry, the Edmonton Oilers are just trying to sell jerseys, right. and that's fine. The jerseys with the letters on them are cooler than the ones that don't have them. <laughs> Correct. Like when I see the jerseys up there, I go, "Oh yeah, that uh, yeah, I like that yeah. one better. It's cooler." That's fine. But when it comes up, oh, we need to strip the C off Drew. Like why? He's the only one doing his job. <laughs> yeah. Like at least, like at a certain point, it's literally the other twenty two guys. Yeah. It's Drew is the only one who isn't the problem. Exactly, and it, it's
1: I think it, I think it gets made to be a little too much, and I think. Maybe he felt the pressure of that too. Maybe he was maybe maybe for a while he bought into it too. Maybe he was pressing too hard to be the leader. Don't forget, like you said, it's a story franchise. You're probably playing in one of the hardest cities to play hockey in because the fans are going to get on
6: you. Yeah, they pay attention in so, October and November.
1: Correct. So you got all that pressure on you, and as like a nineteen, twenty year old kid when he got it, you're like, oh, I got a sea nail in this town in this organization with, like you said, Bobby Clark. Desjardins, Lindros, the the list goes on and on, of legitimate Hall of Fame players, that's got to be a lot of pressure, too. That might have played a lot into why he maybe didn't live up in people's eyes to the expectations.
6: Absolutely. The pressure on anyone in this organization is... uh it's it's a lot because this, ex, this organization is expected to, you know, we take it for granted. Like, I think they made the playoffs 19 out of 20 years or 18 out of 19 years, basically my whole childhood, uh, up until I was in, you know, junior in college, yeah. they made the playoffs. Um... And all of a sudden that ended. And then you go, well, why? Why aren't we? Uh, well, okay, why? Because you used to be able to spend all the money you wanted, and now there's a salary cap. Right. So we can't just go buy Peter Forsberg because we want to. Right. Uh, that's why. But you look at it, well, what's the problem? The problem is Paul Holmgren doesn't know what he's doing. But we're going to blame the captain because he's the one out there on the ice. Right. We can see that guy.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Paul Holmgren, it, it transitions right into my next question for you. The most frustrating thing for – now, obviously, you're diehard. Steph, Kelly, all you guys on your show are diehard fans. For someone like me who who casually watches hockey and gets into it as the season progresses into the playoffs, the most frustrating thing for me, being a Flyers fan, is the goalie. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not the most frustrating thing for this franchise – That they have never been able to figure it out for whatever reason, whether it's guys get here and they're expected to do something, they get hurt, or you get the wrong guy when you should have got this guy, or you got this guy five years after he was good, or like Bob, where you had him and you let him go. Yeah. What is it? That is so, like, why can't this
6: team figure it out? At this point, it's almost comical if it wasn't so damn it's sad. very comical. That's, I was on WIP the other day talking to Barchard about this same thing, and I said, you know, go up to anyone on the street who hasn't watched a game all year, just knows of the Flyers, just from Philly. Say, they haven't watched a game in 10 years. Right. Ask them, what's the Flyers' problem? They would tell you goaltending. And guess what? They would be right. Yeah, It is un-freaking-believable how bad it always is. Yeah. Like, when you're only—and I'm only asking for competency at this point. Yeah. I don't need you to be Patrick Wah. I just need you to be pretty good. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, just don't yeah. be actively hurting the team, which is yeah. what happened a lot of this season. Uh, Brian Elliott, it was good to be able to get him in these last two games. He shakes the rust off, and they're able to still win uh, against Carolina. And then he gets the shutout against the Rangers— Ooh! Thank you, card to the Rangers. The Florida Panthers should be furious yeah. at the effort that that team showed on they Saturday. Shot
1: Seventeen shots.
6: Seventeen shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they just it, gave up completely. The Flyers defense is not good. <laughs> like yeah. it was uh, that team wanted to be golfing so badly. Yeah. It was, but awesome. You know, yeah, Flyers whatever. get to go to the playoffs. Yeah, whatever. Good for us. But yeah, uh, it was good to be able to get Elliot in because I think for the most part he was good for the Flyers this year. Um, when he's bad. Six goals go in, yeah. and that's what I think kind of hurt his numbers this year. His numbers maybe aren't what people expected, um, but the vast majority of his games I think he was at least pretty good. Uh, yeah, when he's bad, he's he just goes down too early, puck goes over his shoulder, Predators win 6-5. He, yeah. w- w- we just almost beat the best team in the league. What happened? Yeah. Oh, the goalie was bad. The goalie. But uh, I think he's going to at least be – A stabilizing force for this team. And considering what they'd been dealing with since he got hurt, it's a big upgrade. Now, is, is, so
1: we, we talked about the young guys on the team. last time we talked Flyers, how you always heard about Sam Moran. You always heard about these guys that were, that they're it. They're coming up. They're going to be it. Is the goalie going to be what we're expecting him to be? Is he going to be like the guy? Is it, is is he finally going to
6: be? The guy, yeah, Carter Hart um, has been the best goalie in his league, and basically the best goalie in junior hockey for three years now. Uh, Go, we say all time goalies are voodoo. I have no idea. He, it's a lot like pitching. It's all in your head, mostly. Uh, I will say he has the resume.
4: Yeah,
6: um, he has the all the pedigree, all the accolades, everything you would ever think. If they are gonna find their guy. It's him. It has to be him. Yeah. Like it has he, to. Be. He looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. if they're gonna find it, it's gonna be him. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, uh, maybe they should just start playing with six. Just go with an empty net. Uh, he he's been excellent um, for three years now. He's been very good. They got him in a steal in the second round uh, in what 2016 draft, I believe. Um, he was just best goalie on the board. The Flyers were pretty stocked in terms of their uh, in terms of what their organization had in, in goaltending at that point, but when all of a sudden this guy who probably should have been a first-round pick is available in the middle of the second round, you go, oh, okay, yeah, we'll just take him and see what happens. And what happens is he has dominated for the Everett Silvertips ever since, and he'll be with the Phantoms next year. Would love to see him be in the NHL as soon as possible, probably 2019-20 we're looking at. Um, But like I keep saying, if anyone's just going to jump what you think and exceed expectations, it's this guy, because he's done it at every level before this.
1: So, so there's some promise on the horizon, yes. what you're Okay.
6: If if they're going to find their goalie, it, it 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 should probably be Carter Hart. Good. That makes me feel a little bit better <laughs>
1: yeah. cuz that that is the most frustrating thing it's as a casual hockey fan that I watch this, you get Morazek and you're thinking, "All right, you know, change the scenery, this and that," and he it just it stinks. I just, I just we don't have enough time to talk about <laughs> yeah. goalie situations cuz it it is super frustrating. What I do want to get into is obviously the most important thing surrounding this organization right now is the NHL playoffs. Flyers, Penguins. You probably couldn't have asked for a better situation as far as fans are concerned than Flyers, Penguins, playoff hockey. What is, like, I don't know how to put the fan aside when I watch this. I just want to see them go in and knock the snot out of this team. What is realistic expectations for this first-round matchup?
6: Um, you know the Flyers are o two and two against the Penguins this year. Penguins two time disten- two time defending Stanley Cup champions going for their third uh in a row. They're really good. Um, they weren't as good. They're they're at the you know Cleveland Cavaliers you know uh, Warriors point where we're just getting through the regular season. Yeah, like this we're as long as we have Crosby and Malkin and Kessel healthy for the playoffs none of the seating or anything matters. We're just getting to that because we're going for a third in a row. Um, they're very, very good. And if this is a quick series, four or five games, it's, oh, yeah, the Penguins just took care of business. They're better than the Flyers. The Flyers need to do a couple of things to make this a six, seven-game series and really challenge uh, to knock them out like they did in 2012. It's uh, First and foremost, you have to stay out of the penalty box. This has been a very disciplined Flyers team all year. And they're still terrible in the penalty kill. Uh, they've given up top 10 amount of uh, of of uh, power play goals, even though they've got the third fewest amount of minutes shorthanded this season. They're getting scored on every other penalty, basically. Yeah. Penguins power play is amazing. You would think so. They have Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, all these guys. Right. Chris Tang, they're 26% top in the league. They're great. So you have to stay out of the box. You have to get on them, skate with them, play physically with them. You can't be afraid of what they do because they will have six, seven minute bursts where they just have the puck and you ain't getting it from them because they're better skaters than you are. Your goalie has to make saves. He's got to make a couple big saves, especially especially early. They try to bombard you in the first 10 minutes of games. Let's just get up to nothing and coast through the rest of this thing. Right. That's what they're trying to do. Get through that with a couple big saves, and then you get your counterpunch. Flyers have been really good at counterpunching. They've come back on this team to force overtime against them twice this year, and that's just what you have to do and take advantage of your opportunities. You you pretty much got to bully them, right? Yes. It, it seems to me from watching games – Against them,
1: whether it's Flyers against them or whoever, when I do catch a Penguins game, it seems to me like if you if you bully them a little bit, if you lean on them a little bit, like you said, kind of knock them around a little bit, it kind of tends to throw them off their game a little bit. I think if the Flyers is if they can do that, I mean, do they have do they do the Flyers have the team that are capable of doing something like that? They don't have the team. They're not as good skill-wise, but can they at least bully them a
6: little bit? They don't have the team that beat them up like they did in 2012, but what they do have is a team that can be physical with them in the offensive zone. You have Nolan Patrick, Oscar Lindblom, uh, Michael Roffel. Him getting moved up to the top line, I think, is a direct result of seeing we're going to be playing the Penguins. We're going to need to hit them in the corners. Um, Jake Voracek plays bigger than he looks. He's like 6'2", 200. He's a big guy. Wayne Simmons. We know about Wayne Simmons. Scott Lawton we need these guys to just hit their defense nonstop in the corners get the pucks deep and just start hammering them that's how you do it uh in 2012, the Penguins had that uh, they went through an identity crisis. I always watch this team thinking, like, what is the matter? If they just didn't get involved with, they are so much better than the Flyers. If they just ignored Scott Hartnell, <laughs> yeah. like they would just win. Yeah. But they let him get under their skin, and all of yeah. a sudden, it's a big brawl, and the oh, the Flyers win seven five. Right. Like that's not how this should go, but right. it does. So good for the Flyers. They've seemed to have overcome that with their new coach. Uh, They're finally just saying, do whatever you want to do. We're ignoring you after the whistle. Uh, So it's not quite that team that you can get under their skin and beat them that way anymore as much as you would love to because Crosby's face is just, oh, my God, I want someone to punch him. Uh, But you can beat them that way by getting them in the corners and just asserting your will there.
1: I watched the highlights of that game where he pulled Hartnell's hair, and (laughs) I was like – I felt – all those emotions come back again <laughs> like it was like it just happened like with Bundy up in the oh, I can't believe it. that's horrible what he's doing like I felt I was like oh my god I hate this guy so bad like and my first reaction when I saw that again where he pulled Hartnell down by the back of his jersey I was just like why didn't someone get up and just crush his face after that like he got away with <laughs> yeah, that yeah yeah and then it was just like a like a line brawl because of what he did and, like, I feel like all you have to do is just just hit him and just frustrate him. And, like, it just seems like, is he that good that, like, you can't just do that to him? Like, I feel like when you do that to him, it gets him out of his game. And for some reason, like, they just don't do it.
6: That's what I'm really hoping to see, uh, you know, Radko Gudis, since he returned from his suspension, hasn't been the... Uh, you know crazy physical just knock you out type of defenseman uh that he was beforehand and he hasn't been very good since that's what made him good was that if you went into a corner against Radko Gudas hey yeah, better not turn your back you think it's gonna, his reputation yeah, that... he's going to hit you anyway yeah he just they basically told him hey man any borderline play you make we're suspending you yeah. because uh you earned it at this point yeah. even if it is you know something else something someone else might get away with you're not going to because right. you hit someone in the head with your stick yeah uh, but he needs to play that kind of game. And Brandon Manning, that's been his thing all year. Yep. That's been his thing for two years now is get under guys' skin, play them physically, and just, you know, if he comes off the ice and Crosby comes off the ice, they both get two minutes for roughing. It's yeah. a big win for the Flyers. Huge win. You're not missing Brandon Manning <laughs> at all. Right. That's actually you won twice. Right. You got Manning off the ice too. Yeah. That's two good things that happen. Exactly. So that's what he needs to be doing. So before we wrap it
1: up, I want to get—so you, you talked about, obviously, the fact that Pittsburgh's really good. What is your outlook for the series? Where, how long you think it goes and, and like your general outlook for this series?
6: I would, I would have to guess, you know, if I was going to put money on it, if I was just putting it all aside, I would say Penguins and Six. Uh, Claude Giroux is on a mission right now. That's if we see the Claude Giroux we saw in 2012, the guy who is out to prove, no, I really am as good as all these guys you think are better than me. Right. This could go seven. And in a game seven, anything, anything can happen. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping to see. Uh yeah, penguins are better. Absolutely. They're better. They've proven it. But Flyers right now are playing some good hockey and they got their goalie back. It's
1: gonna if, come down to goaltending. If they get past the Penguins, can they make a run?
6: Absolutely. Because that's their the Penguins to me are the uh the only only team that they would see until the Eastern Conference Finals that they couldn't beat. Uh, hopefully, you know, I wanted Washington the whole time. Washington wins the division, but I thought that was the best matchup. You would probably see them in the second round. You can beat Washington, and then you're in. Uh, then you're in these. You're in the Eastern Conference Final. You're only gonna have to see one of Boston, Toronto, or Tampa. Uh, or Tampa right. win one series.
1: Yeah, listen, I, I, it's what I like to hear. Yeah, it's what I like to hear with with the fact that. You know, Eagles are coming off what they did, and the Sixers are making their run now with a legitimate shot we talked about before you came on. They have a legitimate shot.
6: I thought I was coming on to talk more more TJ McConnell. I was looking forward to it. Oh no, no. we <laughs> don't we only talk very
1: limited TJ McConnell <laughs> on this show. But um so it, it it's good to hear that they at least have a shot. That you know, if they if they play the right way and they play their game,
6: do the right things, they at least have a shot. And hey, and, the Penguins have won eight straight playoff series. They're going to lose one eventually, right? It mean, Could be this one. Law of averages, right? Yeah. <laughs> so
1: listen, that's Bill Matz from Broad Street Hockey. You can check him out at? Bill 1. Nice, Bill Adelphia 1. And then what about Broad Street Hockey?
6: Yeah, at BSH underscore radio, broadstreethockey.com. Our show's on SoundCloud, iTunes, all that podcast all that good stuff. stuff.
1: All right, so you heard it here first. Broad, uh, Bill Matz, Broad Street Hockey, talking a little hockey with the 215 Live crew. We appreciate it. On the other side, we're going to have Andy Jasner. Talking a little Sixers basketball. Get me back in my element. Talking a little Sixers basketball. It's 215 Live on Wildfire Sports.
3: If you're considering buying or selling a home in Philadelphia or surrounding areas, then for all your real estate needs, contact Lewis Reyes from Weikert Realtors at 267 648 7123. That's 267 648 7123. The key to his success is always putting his clients above all else. Contact Lewis Reyes now at 267 648 7123 for a no obligation consultation
4: and let him show you your possibilities. Let me end- ask you a question. Do you have a project at your house that needs to get done, but you're not sure who to turn to to help you out? Maybe you already started a project, but you're not quite sure how to finish it, and now your house is all messed up, and you're stressed out? Well, here's what you do. Give our friend Chuck Reed the Handyman a call. No repair or project is too small. Chuck will make your dream project a reality. Give him a call at 215-672-8875 or email him at handymanservices08 at comcast.net. If you if you're in northeast philly bucks or eastern montgomery county give chuck reed the handyman a call once again it's 215-672-8875 or email him at handymanservices services 08 at comcast.net Why are you taking pictures of your receipt, Jim?
5: I'm earning cash back, Steve. By taking pictures of your receipt? I don't get it. Let me explain. It's a cool new app I downloaded called Wabi. I earn cash back when I eat, shop, or play at local places in my area. Just shop, snap, cash back. Shop, snap, cash back. It's that easy to use? Yep. I just downloaded the app, created an account. Then I shop at a Wabi merchant, snapped a picture of my receipt, and within 48 hours, I had cash back in my Wabi account. That's it? That sounds too easy. It is. I've received 5%, 10%. 20% or even more cash back on my purchases From merchants on the app Even better, I can earn more cash back When I share the app with my family and friends I just send them an invite through the app Using my referral code Do me a favor and send me an invite Absolutely, and it's crazy how quickly Wabi is expanding in the US Wabi sounds like an amazing rewards program Go and like their Wobby page on Facebook. That's Wobby, W-A-B-E-E. And if you're a business owner, check them out at wobby.com Shop, Snap, Cashback. Now you got it. Download the Wobby app today. Use the referral code WILDFIRE in all caps to become a part of the Shop, Snap, Cashback.
1: Welcome back to 215 Live, brought to you by Voodoo Garage on Wildfire Sports. So we just had Bill Matts on. We talked a little Flyers hockey playoffs and, and what he believes is going to happen in this first series against the Penguins. So what I do want to switch gears, get me back into a little bit of my element, is talk to our next guest about the Sixers playoffs and what he thinks is on the horizon for this team. On the line, we have Mr. Andy Jasner. Andy, what's going on, bud?
7: Hey, guys. How you doing?
1: Doing fantastic. Listen, before we start, I just want to let you know, all my co-hosts bailed on me tonight, so it's just me and you, pal. Oh, my gosh.
7: All right. One-on-one. <laughs> on one. We're in. Uh, we're, we we're,
1: got it. We're going we're gonna to do good. Don't worry about it. So, <laughs> all right. We're in. Listen, so when we opened the show, we talked about, mm-hmm. um, obviously, the Sixers You know, uh, getting the 50 wins. They got a shot at getting 52 by the end of the year. Um, I'm still in shock
7: about this. By the way, I'm
1: like, and and I don't know, I don't know if you knew this stat or not, Andy. And I, I was doing post game yesterday, so I kind of just kind of glossed over it, and it caught my eye. Do you <laughs> know that at 50 wins, that puts them at fifth overall in the league?
7: It's amazing, isn't it? It's
1: it's insane that there, they'd be a third seed in both in both East and West right now.
7: And I believe no team has ever won their final 16 regular season games either if they get these last two, which is just mind boggling to me.
1: We we talked about another stat too, so right before Christmas, this team was fourteen and eighteen, three games out of yes, the eighth were. seed. They've gone thirty six and twelve since Christmas.
7: I but, mean Brett Brown deserves so much credit. And it's amazing how silent Twitter has gone. Silent. Radio silence on Twitter. I mean it it really and he deserves it. For what he's done, partially, and we'll get into more of this, but I think Brian Colangelo has not gotten enough credit. He brought in Marco Bellinelli, brought in Ersan Ilyasova again. Sam Hinkie never would have done that. Two veterans, and they have been absolutely tremendous in every way. And I get all the other factors with Embiid and Simmons and, and everything, but those two guys... Have been so clutch over the last couple of weeks here, and that's a large reason why there are 50 wins right now.
1: And I, and I'm glad you brought up Brian Colangelo too, because I had mentioned uh, when we started the show that you know, and I, and I guess I guess rightfully so, but there was a lot of questions about Colangelo only because sure. you know you knew why he got the job, and you were mm-hmm. worried about you know was he going to keep Brett because he wasn't his guy. And, you know, he wasn't, you know, you kind of, like like our producer Taylor said, he was kind of handed a silver platter with Embiid and Simmons and the number one sure. pick. So he was kind of put in a good position. So you were kind of questioning on how he was going to handle it. There was a lot of criticism. Like you said, Twitter's gone quiet on Brett Brown. They've also gone oh, quiet yeah. on Brian Colangelo as well. He was getting, he's been getting, he was getting roasted. It's
7: amazing. It was the same with Doug Peterson. Winning is the ultimate silencer. It really is, and and, and I'm glad for that reason.
1: Yeah, and and, like you said, he don't get enough credit for making those two deals um, that are are paying huge dividends for this team right now.
7: No question, and and I'll be honest, and I'm the first one to tell people when I'm wrong, and I was wrong. I had them at 37 wins this year, and I, I never saw this coming. Ben Simmons is better than I ever imagined he'd be this young. Uh, And they're winning now without Joel Embiid. They're above 500 without Joel Embiid right now, 12 and 11, which is, again, it's another amazing stat. But it's also other things. When things don't go well, say Robert Covington has a bad game, you know, kind of much like the Eagles when there was like a little controversy, Brett Brown doesn't let it fester. and, And they stick together, they win as a team, they lose as a team. And they have really. They've just really meshed in every way. J.J. J. Redick has stepped up, become a team leader. You know, T.J. McConnell barely plays right now, and he hasn't said boo. He hasn't complained. You know, they're they're, they're just sticking together in every way. And I never saw, thought I would say this, but it's going to be an interesting playoff. They could win a round, maybe two. I mean, who would have thunk that, like you said, when they were 14 and 18 early this season?
1: Yeah, and three games three games out of the eight seed. And I— I had him at 40, and I, and I had him at 40 because I, reference a, a, I was listening to Mike Missanelli, and they were mm-hmm. asking him kind of like what his outlook was, how many wins he thinks he could get, and he said there was no shot that this team was going to win 40. Now, I looked at it, and I'm like, oh. okay, listen, they won 28 last season, right? That was yeah. with Embiid and pretty much slop around them. No Ben Simmons, no Markel Foltz, first year of Dario. The fact that you got... What from what before we knew what was going on with Folds, the fact that you were going to have all four of those guys, I thought there was no way they wouldn't win at least twelve more games with that complement of players. So I had them at forty. Right.
8: Uh oh,
1: you still there? No, yet? I got you. I got you. So so I had them at forty wins because I thought with those four players there was no shot that they couldn't be at least twelve games better. The fact that they're mm-hmm. on in route to probably win fifty two. Is something that like we talked about before you came on. I don't understand it. Like I'm, I don't, I, I don't get it. Like what is it? Like what is it that they're able to do? Like you said, they're above five hundred without Embiid. Embiid was yeah. been on, he's been on load management half the year. Ben Simmons is in his rookie year. Your top pick makes 60, 68 games. You know, Dario's having a, a was having like a kind of up and down season there for a while. How how's Brett been able to keep the, and you know Covington's been inconsistent. How's he able to keep this together like this? I'm you know? back. Oh, there he is. We got him. I'm here. Ah, there we go. We were having some I hear you some technical issues there, but the
6: so, digital
9: age.
1: Yeah, right. So here, so right before we lost you, Andy, I I, I mentioned how you know with MB being on low management and Foltz missing yep. sixty eight games and all the stuff that we talked about, you know, the beating a dead horse stuff. What. There's no way that Brett doesn't get consideration. I know they talked about D'Antoni. They talk about Dwayne Mm -hmm. Casey. But I think Brett has done more with less. Do you agree?
7: Uh, Most definitely. The two biggest reasons. Number one, Joel Embiid has been relatively healthy, you know, uh, shy of of this uh, orbital injury. And and he has been better than I even think they thought he would be. And then when you go to Ben Simmons, my goodness, has this kid him. He's doing this without a jump shot. That's incredible how well he's playing. And when Embiid went out recently, this kid basically put the team on his back, said, Follow me, I'll take you home and he has taken on a leadership role that I didn't see it at LSU. I don't know if others did. Now, there's other reasons that they've won 50 games. Those, to me, are the two biggest ones, and you have a lot of other reasons to fill in, like Ilyasova and Bellinelli, for instance, JJ Redick shooting, uh, Sarch's just consistency and and will to win, um, you know. A guy like Rashawn Holmes, who doesn't play for, it seems like, forever, steps in and contributes right away. Uh, It it reminds me a lot of the Eagles, and Brett has kept this whole team together. Uh, He didn't let the criticism get to him early, and if he has my vote, and I've been saying this for two months, he's the coach of the year. I don't think there's a close second. I think it's Brett Brown all the way.
1: Yeah, and and especially, like you said, through all the criticism that he got. um, Yes. You know that the people were calling for his head. You know f- oh. for for that load management and 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 you know what too, like I, just just
7: kind But of, that wasn't Brett, though. Right, and we have a, to understand that. That's <laughs> what I was. He's,
1: but you know what? But but the organization makes him the face of all of that criticism. Of course. And of course. That's why I wanted to kind of transition to the Fultz thing because I okay. think I think Brett got unfairly criticized for that, and I think no it's question. because they put him out into the media with not really a lot of ammo to answer the questions. And and it gets him unfairly criticized, I think.
7: I mean, I've been in this business a long time. I have never seen a situation like Markel Foltz ever before. I'm not sure we ever will again. To me, the most bizarre thing of this whole thing is how well he's playing. I mean, it is he may be a contributor in the playoffs. A kid who didn't play for, what, 60-some-odd games? And he not only is on the court but he's, he's he's playing well, he's contributing. He he doesn't seem like he he's missed a beat and uh and he's just scratched the surface. I mean, we we've hardly seen the best of Markel Foltz. I mean there's the kid's nineteen years old, there's a lot more to come. And to keep that team together through that distraction, which is just – I don't even know how to – people have asked me, I don't really know how to describe it because I don't think we'll ever see it again. I mean, there's always issues. I've seen issues forever with injuries and teams. But this particular one, my goodness, I mean, it's just – I don't – you could ask me again tomorrow. I still don't have a better answer. But he kept them together. The kids contributing, and who knows what will happen down the road here.
1: Yeah, and I well, we talked about last week. And if if my one of my co-hosts Frank was here, he would tell you that the most frustrating thing, and I and I agreed with him, was that you didn't know what was going on. And when they did right. talk about I agree. it, I'm with you. They talked, you know, they talked about it's the shoulder. I know Brett slipped up that one that one week and said it was something going on with his head. You know, Mark, i kind of took a little offense to that. You know, then they talked about the AAU coach. Then they talked – there was so many different things going on. And as a fan and even as media, we wanted something. Tell me something. Why is the number one pick who seemed to be lights out, ready to go in summer league, all of a sudden can't play basketball anymore? And then like you said, Andy, the fact that he came back after missing 68 games and really doesn't even look like he missed a beat. It's it's completely unexplainable. Oh, did we lose him again? Still, <laughs> still got him right here. You still there? Did we lose you again? Nah, we lost him.
2: Yeah, I don't know That's what's right. going on. With I'll shoot him fun. a text
1: and let him know that we lost him. But uh, yeah. So listen, Andy's on board, um, with what Frank said. Um, you know, with with Markel Fultz and it and not being understandable what happened to him. But listen. The fact that he came back, the fact that he looks like he's ready to go, and Andy put a, a perfect point that he is probably going to be a contributor in the playoffs, which is huge. Yeah. It's like it's like getting a number one pick ready for the playoffs. Like that's pretty big.
2: Uh, I, the question I was going to ask Andy that I can ask you, um, I mean, yeah, just as a fan, when's the last time you were this excited for a postseason? Oh,
1: one. For me, it was oh one. I didn't I
2: didn't like that team. The Igadala team
1: that took Boston to seven games. Yeah. I, I didn't like I enjoyed it because I'm a Sixers fan, but I haven't been this excited about a Sixers playoff run since 01.
2: So did you saw them making the finals that year? In 01? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought just and you know, they had the same feel as this team where everything just seemed to click like they they picked up the Kembe. Everything just seemed to click right in 01. And even though the series against the Bucks and the series against the Raptors, you know, were both nip and tuck back and forth series, I thought for sure they were going to the finals that year. I didn't think they were going to beat the Lakers at all. The fact that they gave me at least one game was great, but this team has a legitimate shot that I haven't seen since 01. I didn't think that what was it, 08 or 13, whatever that run was. I didn't think that they, they they listen. They beat Chicago without Derrick Rose. Yeah, 2018-2012. Right, twenty twelve. So then, and then they beat Chicago without Rose and Joe Kim Noah, and then went on to play Boston, who at that point those guys were, you know, clicking. They took them to seven games. Great. I didn't envision them even getting out of the first round. So if D Rose doesn't get hurt, they yeah. don't even get out of the first round, and all the fans aren't going back to. Well, in 2012, they took Boston to seven. got to look at what happened there. The Bulls lost their two top players, one being an MVP. Derek Rose is MVP that year. Yep. So let's not act like Iguodala, Drew Holiday, and Thaddeus Young were going to make this extraordinary run, and guys like LeBron were going to sign here because of that. That's why you did what you did. This is the first year since 01 that I think they have a legitimate shot.
2: It I I don't I think this has to be like before the postseason starts the most excited Sixers fans have to be since they won to be honest because like just because nobody saw it coming this soon like you know these guys are sure things because um, I mean when you look at that 0-1 squad it's probably one of the worst teams to make the finals oh, by four
1: yeah. they, they had one surefire player and a bunch of role players yeah. You know what I mean? And this year, you have two legitimate stars. And going back to what you said, as far as it being unexpected, it's that, and it's also it's validation for all the hinkyites. Oh, it's yeah. validation for all the processors because now you go, we could have this could have turned horrible, and then everybody would have said, "See, that's not how you win." But the fact that it's turning the way you expected it. Is making all the the Spike Eskins and all the all the processors go. See, this is how you're supposed to win in the NBA. The NBA le- lends itself to this being the way that you win, and it's working, and it's making all those guys feel great.
2: I mean, the 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 thing with the process is like, do you want to be mediocre for another decade? No, yeah. no. As a fan, I didn't. You know what I mean? I was I was tired of it. Listen, it, it's
1: nothing makes me feel better than to talk about playoff basketball. It's been a long time in this in this town. It makes me feel great.
2: Thinking you can win a series, right. specifically. I can't
1: wait to see the Sixers flags flying on the cars. I can't wait to, for the Wells Fargo to be hopping You know, the next whatever, eight, nine, ten years with these two guys and whoever else you're bringing here. It's going to be fun. What we're going to do is we're going to take a real quick break, get our bearings back together, get our technical issues back together. And on the other side – We're going to have a couple hosts from Wildfire Sports-owned shows to kind of give their feel of the Sixers and what this season has meant to them. Tune in on the other side. You're listening to 215 Live on Wildfire Sports.
3: If you're considering buying or selling a home in Philadelphia or surrounding areas, then for all your real estate needs, contact Louis Reyes from Weikert Realtors at 267-648-7123. That's 267-648-7123. The key to his success is always putting his clients above all else. Contact Louis Reyes now at 267-648-7123 for a no
4: obligation consultation and let him show you your possibilities. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a project at your house that needs to get done but you're not sure who to turn to to help you out? Maybe you already started a project but you're not quite sure how to finish it and now your house is all messed up and you're stressed out? Well, here's what you do. Give our friend Chuck Reed the handyman a call. No repair or project is too small. Chuck will make your dream project a reality. Give him a call at 215-672-8875 or email him at handymanservices08 at comcast.net. If you're in northeast philly bucks or eastern montgomery county give chuck reed the handyman a call once again it's 215-672-8875 or email him at handymanservices08 at comcast.net Why are
5: you taking pictures of your receipt, Jim? I'm earning cash back, Steve. By taking pictures of your receipt? I don't get it. Let me explain. It's a cool new app I downloaded called Wabi. I earn cash back when I eat, shop, or play at local places in my area. Just shop, snap, cash back. Shop, snap, cash back. It's that easy to use? Yep. I just downloaded the app, created an account. Then I shop at a Wabi merchant, snapped a picture of my receipt, and within 48 hours, I had cash back in my Wabi account. That's it? That sounds too easy. It is. I've received 5%, 10%. 20% or even more cash back on my purchases from merchants on the app. Even better, I can earn more cash back when I share the app with my family and friends. I just send them an invite through the app using my referral code. Do me a favor and send me an invite. Absolutely. And it's crazy how quickly Wabi is expanding in the US. Wabi sounds like an amazing rewards program. Go and like their Wobby page on Facebook. That's Wobby, W A B E E. And if you're a business owner, check them out at Wobby.com. Shop, Snap, Cashback. Now you got it. Download the Wobby app today. Use the referral code WILDFIRE in all caps to become a part of the Shop, Snap, Cashback.
1: Welcome back to 215 Live, brought to you by Voodoo Garage. Look out for all the big things coming to you from Voodoo Garage, formerly Baconlicious. We're going to be doing some special stuff with those guys, so keep an eye out. Right now, what we're going to do is going to going to slow it down a little bit. We're going to start bringing in some of our friends from all the great shows you can find here on Wildfire Sports. To start, we're going to bring my man from the Pat and Benny Show, Pat Gariantes. How are you, buddy?
8: I'm doing well,
1: John. Can you hear me out there? Can I, you hear me? I can hear you, pal. I, I didn't butcher your name too bad, did I?
8: No, nah, man. That was perfect. That was flawless.
1: I was stressing all day trying to, like, repeat it over and over again to make sure I got it right. You know what I mean?
8: I see John. Hey, just trust the process, man.
1: i man. See, I, lo- see, I, I, I love you already, Pat. <laughs>
8: all
1: right. So, listen. So, the reason I, I, I'm i going to have you guys come on um, is, is, obviously, we're... Experiencing a magical basketball season, one that um, not everybody expected. You know, for them to be in a position that they're in, um, you know, third seed in the East. We talked about they're actually fifth mm. vi- fifth overall in the whole NBA in wins. Um, yeah. So, as a fan, and I and I know you're you're a, a Sixers guy. What did this season mean to you? Like coming in, where did you have them? Um, kind of fitting in this season, and now that now that the season's almost over and you see where they're heading, what does this mean to you, this run?
8: Oh, John, I, I got to tell you, man, it means, it's taken me back to, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up watching that that Iverson-led team that made it to the finals. That's the last time we won 50 games, believe it or not. So just to, to go through this, I I can't say I saw it coming, not this year, but eventually down the road. And all it does for me is it takes you back to watching when you had, like, James Anderson and Jakar Sampson and, you know, Jarvis Bernardo on the floor a couple of years ago. Yeah. So it's, it's honestly really refreshing to see.
1: What? So it before the season started, where did you have them fitting in as far as wins? Like, what, what you know, MB was going to be on load management and yeah. minute manage restrictions. It's going to be Ben's first year. Dario was going to, you know, only had one year under his belt. You didn't really know what you're going to get from Fultz yet as a top pick. Where did you right. have them sitting um, as far as wins concerned?
8: Well, well, me and Benny, talked about it on the show, and I, I was thinking of anywhere between like that 43, 45 range. Like I was expecting us to be better just because I saw like last last year, the month of January. You know, we went like 11 and 5, if I'm not mistaken, or something along the lines of that. So I knew if you know if Embiid could stay healthy, you were going to add Simmons who I believed in. I didn't know he's going to be as good as he's been, but I, I believed in him. I figured we'd get you know above 500, maybe that sixth seed, seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, if everything went the right way. My partner Benny though, he, he actually went on the line and said if everything broke right. We be the three seed in the East, so it's kind of wild. That he's the one to end up being closer than than I was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Delaware's own Benny, yeah. right?
8: <laughs> I tell you, man. Yeah.
1: Hey, listen. I, whatever his prediction is, he nailed it. So I'm happy with it. Um, I, so I, I, I can't complain. So we we talked about obviously, you know, they they control their own destiny. It looks like if everything goes well, they're going to stay in that third seed. Um, the matchups, you know, could potentially be Milwaukee, Washington, Indiana, Miami. Um, yeah. Any of those four teams um, scare you? Any of those four teams have you worried a little bit? Or um, Not to be overconfident, but do you see um, that this team, with everything falling right, could could make a, a series run?
8: Yeah, uh, and this is another thing that we talked about in our previous episode. Really the only team that scares me in the East Cleveland, because of LeBron. I just have so much respect for LeBron. But as far as the first round matchups are concerned, Indiana's tough, especially if Embiid isn't 100% to start the series. Miles Turner is a pretty good big man in the post, and the Depot's having a career year. Uh, right now, I think we're set up to be facing Miami, which you got to give them respect. I mean, Dwayne Wade can get it done in the clutch. And I think Spolster is one of the most underrated coaches in the league. Uh, so, I mean, I think they could give us, you know, six games or so, but the way that the Sixers play at home, they got the home court advantage in that first round. They they should have the edge no matter who they're playing.
1: All right, so before I let you go, and I appreciate you hopping on and giving me a couple minutes, what what is your prediction for this year's playoffs?
8: All right, I think we have potential now with the three seed. To make the Eastern Conference Finals, John. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to the finals here. Got a lot of respect for LeBron and these guys, but I think they got a favorable matchup in the first round, and then it's set up. You're facing, you know, a really injured Boston team, obviously without their their top two players. And hey, where do you haven't played all year? And then uh, Kyrie being out. So this team has a chance to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and who the hell would have thought that? right off the jump at the beginning of the year. Right,
1: I like what I hear. Pat, before I let you go, can you let my listeners know where to find you, Benny, and the Pat and Benny Show?
8: Absolutely. First of all, right here on Wildfire Sports, John. I right hear every Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Follow us on social media, the Pat and Benny Show on Facebook and Instagram, and Pat underscore Benny Show on Twitter.
1: My man, that's Pat. Gary Anties from the Pat and Benny Show. They are a... Brand-new syndicated show with us here at Wildfire Sports. Check them out every week and hop on their social media. Give them a follow. And, uh, Pat, thanks for giving me a couple of minutes, my friend.
8: Appreciate it, John. I'll talk to you, man.
1: All right, brother. Take it easy. All right. See you. I like it. I like it. I like the uh, Spolstra point, too. Of course you do, because we argued that last week, and I, you're an idiot for saying Spolstra's underrated. I think I, he's, I, think he's a I don't dope. think I'm an idiot. I think he's a dope.
2: The hell is wrong with him?
1: Because he was handed a golden opportunity with three Hall of Famers, and just managed to make it work. You can't tell me a lot he's an of underrated coach, to manage, dude. Get out of here. So we're we're just waiting to get our next guest on the line. Um, we had Pat from the Pat and Benny show. Up next, you know him, you love him, we all love him. You know him as Avalon Bryan from the Santa Boone First podcast. AB, what's up, brother?
0: Hey, John, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, giving me a couple of your busy minutes. I know you had a lot going on tonight.
0: Anytime. You know, that second grade sing takes up a lot of the night. You know, what can I say? been there. <laughs> My man. But they knocked it The Butler Bears knocked it out of the park, so it's all good.
1: Good, good stuff. So, listen, I, I got guys coming on. Um, you know, representing our wildfire sports shows and, and I know you're on an Eagles podcast but I also know that you're a partial season ticket holder and a Sixers fan like myself. So I wanted to get your opinion. Yep. Um, obviously, you know, I just talked to Pat and I asked him, you know, we're we're in a, in a magical season right now that nobody saw coming um, as far as wins, as far as positioning, as far as potential. What, where did you sit when the season started as far as um, outlook as far as wins, where do you thought this team could go, and obviously they've exceeded your expectations, but where did you sit at the beginning of the season, in your opinion?
0: You, you know, if you go back to it, um, and, and I'm just being honest that I'm usually way off with this, I mean I picked the Phillies at 88 wins this year and obviously that's not going to happen. My number for the Sixers was 50. Oh, wow. I really thought this team would come together. I believed in what Indeed was going to bring to the table, and you know, I said it on one of our Santa Boot First podcasts, I think when it's all done and said, Indeed, Joel Embiid, could go down as the best sixer ever to wear that uniform.
1: It's so it's not; it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, Bry.
0: It's not. If you look at what he's doing, there's no other big man in the NBA that can match up with what he's doing between size, three points, and just the defensive presence that he has. I know we talked about Davis, um, Anthony Davis, obviously with. New Orleans, um, we talk about booze, you know, uh, well, he, he's out anyway. But we talk about Anthony Davis as the other premier big. And I, I just don't think he holds a candle to beat as far as all-around play. I mean, he's just an amazing player. I, I've never seen anything like it. Most of us are on the same page with that. And then you combine him with Ben Simmons. Look what he's doing, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. I mean, the guy's got to be in the conversation. I would say, not, not that he's going to be a top-five finisher, but – you got to throw him in the mix. Both of these guys are going to get a couple MVP votes, and rightfully so.
1: I mean, listen if if M B plays a whole season, and he doesn't play with that bullshit load management that they had him on at the beginning of the year, he's a hundred percent this year getting MVP consideration.
0: He is. You know, there, there's and there, you know what, and that's a good fact. You know, that's a good point to bring up between the load management early, so they get off to a slow start. And also a lack of a bench. I mean, look at this bench that we've assembled. The last couple of weeks, you pick up Bellinelli, okay? You bring back Fultz, and you bring back Urson. That bench is stronger than most of the teams that they're going to face in the in the in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, and certainly in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, and it and you know the fact fe- you know you didn't have a twenty point scorer on that bench before those two acquisitions were made. Now you got two guys. No. Actually, three guys, you know, once Fultz gets really going, you got three guys that can score 20 or more points off that bench in any given night, which is in the playoffs, you know, you're used to having a seven-man bench, you know, depending on the outcome of the game, maybe go eight or nine. But the, the fact that they can go eight deep, um, and even Rashawn coming off the bench with his energy, you know, nine deep, yep. it's pretty huge. And like, like you said, it, there's, you know – Cleveland's one fault is one flaw is the fact that their bench stinks. So you yeah. know
0: I mean, they're, they're a six deep right? I mean, you go, what do you go, J.R. Smith, and good luck after that. Um, Larry Nance Jr. I mean, they're, they're not a strong team, no, and they don't have any size. I mean, the Sixers team between their shooting, like think about, they have four shooters. They, they can come in at any minute, knock down a jumper between Covington, Redick, Bellinelli, and Urson. And then you've got the size that they have. Don't forget about Dario, but you've got Dario, Bede, and Ben's That's a matchup nightmare with the Eastern
1: Conference. So, with all that being said, and and before we we wrap up here, what is your now? Obviously, you know Boston's banged up. Um, you know they they control their own destiny. They're probably going to end up walking away with that three seed, which has them avoiding Cleveland till the Eastern Conference final. You know the four teams are going to be under them: Indiana, yep. Miami, uh, Milwaukee, and Washington. Is there a team one under in that four under them that you worry about? And two, if everything goes right, do you see this team making a deep run?
0: You know, it's it's weird if you look at their matchup with the Heat. For whatever reason, they've lost their last two games to the Miami Heat, and the Heat are playing the Thunder tough tonight. I mean, it's kind of the last hurrah for. Dwayne Wade, Drag- Dragic is playing a really good season, I, you know, and they've got two big guys that can probably give Embiid beat some trouble, um, you know, with, with Olympic and with Whiteside. but you know, I don't, I don't look at them as anything more than, than 12 fouls, um, to take on and beat. So I don't really see them having a problem in that first round. Um, I think where they run into trouble could be Toronto. I, I think Cleveland, I think I know Ben I know LeBron's playing out of his mind right now, but come playoff time, I don't think he's gonna have enough to carry that team. I mean it's just gonna be him alone with no second act. I, I just don't see them I I could see Cleveland going out early. Um and by early I mean second round. And I really think Toronto, I think the Eastern Conference runs through Toronto. So if the if the Sixers can get there and give the Toronto Raptors a series, I mean we could be talking a finals team here.
1: Uh, I love it. I love the sound of that. As a as a season ticket holder for the last 15 years, I really love the sound of that, to tell you the truth, because I've seen a lot of bad basketball in those years. Um, oh, my if, God. Yeah, unbelievable. Bri, before we let you go, where can my listeners find you and Santa Boot at?
0: Well, John, you can find us on Saturdays, On obviously on wildfire radio or wildfiresports.com we are on at four o'clock you can find us in the boot first on the itunes store you can find me at avalon brian with a y on twitter and and obviously appearing throughout the uh, wildfire sports uh programming
1: listen when you get a b avalon brian on the team you got to spread him as thin as possible you know what i mean
0: Listen, John, it's a pleasure to be here and and one thought for you when the process started remember what we started with and who you know the guy i thought about that i didn't want to let go of was kj mcdaniels and look where we're going <laughs> it's crazy
1: yeah pretty nuts isn't it it's out of the league <laughs> yeah exactly
0: it's it's unbelievable all
1: right brian i really appreciate you hopping on giving me a couple of your minutes like i said i know you're were, you're were busy tonight so i appreciate you uh giving us some insight to my fans. I I really appreciate it.
0: Anytime brother, man. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks pal. See you later. That's Avalon Bryan from the Santa boot first podcast here. Saturdays at four o'clock only on wildfire sports. Listen, everybody's, uh, ringing, giving some ringing endorsements and I'm, I'm getting pretty hyped up. You know, we're only uh, less than a week away. So the, the playoff start, you know, hopefully we get the big man back and, uh, you know, let's do this thing. I'm, I'm, uh, Super excited. So,
2: How many games do you expect him to miss? Playoffs. I honestly don't think he's going to miss any.
1: I, I really don't because once they said that it was going to get to the point where there was no longer an injury, that it was going to be pain tolerance, I had him back first game. But listen, um, on the line now, as we keep this train rolling along, one of our newest shows on Wildfire Sports, the Patterson Ave Fanatics, the host, the point guard, the head man of that show – Mr. Tom Kelly. What's up, Tommy?
10: Are you implying that I am like a Ben Simmons of the Patterson Ave Fanatic Show? You are <laughs> the
1: Ben Simmons of the Patterson Ave Fanatic Show, my friend.
9: One can only dream. What's going on, buddy?
1: My man, what's going on? Listen, so we have we have guys coming on um from some of our shows, kind of getting a you know, opinion of the Sixers run, um, as magical yeah. as it is. Um obviously, you know, as diehard as we are, we never expected what they're doing and and how they're doing it as a fan, Tom. And as the season began, where did you see this team with all, you know, the, the number one pick and Ben starting this year and, and all the different things that went on. Um, you knew MB was going to be on load management. Where did you see this team at the end of the year? What, what kind of expectation did
10: you have? Everything was kind of unassuming this year. Um, you were, everybody was locked into the Eagles and you're not really, it's like you're paying attention. You're paying attention with a half an eye almost. And then as, as the season progressed, you realized it was something even more special than you could have imagined it would be at the beginning of the season. Like, like this season for me is um, like Philly, basketball becoming important again. And, and we're not even talking Nova winning its second title in two seasons. That's something totally totally different than this but everybody remembers what it felt like in no one um when when they went on that run and that first game against the lakers in the finals and and this team i think this team would blow that team off the floor
1: yeah well, and, we, we and talked so, about that being so, one of the worst teams probably to go to the finals that '01 one team
10: it, it absolutely was it, it, I, I i truly believe it was and it's it's not even it's not even a question like I, for what Ben Simmons has done, and to not have a mid-range jumper and a three-point in his arsenal, the, just just how he makes people better without missing two big key cogs in your offensive game, and still being a fifty-win team right now. Um, at the beginning of the year, I don't care what anybody says, even the crazy callers and the other shows. Who predicted them winning fifty games? I believe <laughs> not, not. that they're crazy, but the prediction itself is crazy. I believe that's nobody saw this coming. No, and is. it's I mean, and we're now I mean, we have an opportunity to be a fifty-two win team at, and a three seed. Oh, and by the way, Embiid's been out for your last couple of games, and he might not, he may not be back for your first couple of games in the playoffs. I mean, it's insane. I don't think anybody's seen this coming.
1: Before before we wrap this up and I let you go, I want to get your opinion um, quickly on where do you see this team making a deep run? Is there a team that, obviously besides LeBron, is there a team that you worry about or is this team poised to make a run?
10: As far as the playoffs go, now that Kyrie is out in Boston, LeBron is the only player on the Cavs. That's all they have as LeBron, even Kevin Love is like a shell of his former self. Toronto's trending downward going into the playoffs. I, honestly, my opinion, my 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 prediction is that the Houston Rockets are going to win the NBA title this year, and they're going to beat the Philadelphia 76ers in the finals to do it.
1: My man, I love it.
10: And, and then next year, I think LeBron comes here, and they're a 65-68 to 68 win team. And they're blowing teams off the court. It's not even – LeBron's going to see, wow, if I get with these guys. It's almost like the Kevin Durant syndrome. It's like, okay, I can't beat him. Might as well join him because he's not – He I, there's no way LeBron's going to his eighth NBA Finals in a row this year. I, I think the Sixers are going to be in his way,
9: and I think they're going to do it.
1: I love the sound of it, Tommy. I, I really do. Before I let you go, give my listeners an idea of where they can find you and the Patterson Ave boys.
10: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're on Friday nights there on our Wildfire Radio from 845 to 945 uh, every Friday.
1: All right. Can they, can they check and, you out uh, on Twitter at all?
10: Yeah, absolutely. Our Twitter handle is at PAF171613.
1: Nice. It should be easy. I'll, we'll, we're going to put a link out that that on our page as well. Tommy, before uh, I really appreciate you jumping on, give me a couple minutes of your time, and uh, we're definitely going to get you on down the road.
9: Sounds good, brother. Appreciate it,
1: man. All right, brother. Take it easy. Have a
9: good
1: night. All right, we're three for three, Taylor. Looking good. Three for three, going to the finals.
2: I, I'm I'm gonna be a stickler and say that's not happening.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, our next guest is is a a realist as well, so I'm anxious to see what he has to say as we get ready to wrap up this show here. I'm ready. I'm ready for it, man. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for a finals run. That definitely sells your your top stars coming in the next year. You know what I mean? For the sure. Only,
2: the only thing that would put the icing on the cake is if uh, Ben gets Rookie of the Year and Joel gets Defensive play of the Year. Yeah, which could happen. Which could both happen.
1: All right. So to wrap up two one five live, you got to get the best. You got to go to the anchor, the guy that carries the team. What am I talking about? I'm talking about none other than Marcus Bradham from the Give and Go Podcast. What's up, brother?
9: Wow. I mean, you put a lot of pressure on me. I hope I can deliver. Listen, it.
1: don't let me down because I swear to God I'll end your contract and you'll be out of here.
9: <laughs> I'll try not to.
1: <laughs> nice. So so real quick, so I got guys coming on just trying to get their their quick opinions on, you know, this Sixer season, you know, the fact that they've exceeded right. everybody's expectations um, and I just want to get your right. idea of of where you kind of saw them in the beginning and, and where you kind of see them going in this playoff run.
9: Well, my my thing was I was around 43 games that I thought they could win, and a lot of that was based around Embiid and him playing 55 games. I thought I was 55, they win 35, and then hopefully they can get eight without him. Well, Joel Embiid's played more than 55 games, so you're getting more – um, yeah, listen, I'm 37 years old. I think we're around the same age. I don't remember 77 and 84 Sixers. So for me, the only good basketball I've seen in the city, 89, 90, 2001. That's it. And, and I am so happy that this is not just going to be a situation for them where there's a one-year thing. This is going to be something we will be seeing for the next at least five to ten years, which is great basketball in the city, which is awesome. And I mean, I think I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually agree with Skip Bell in this assessment that I think this team is kind of like the Cowboys, where they're coming in a little bit earlier than people expect. They're 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 you know they're peaking at the right time. They're playing really well, and the way the East looks, Eastern Conference Finals is not unrealistic.
1: So, if so, having said that, what is your so besides of what we think maybe. Um, realistic or not. What is your opinion on everything falling the way that it is? You know, more mm-hmm. likely they're going to get that third seed. They're going to control their own destiny, as I've been saying. What is your right. honest opinion on the run that this team could surely make?
9: I think the final is, is, you know, I mean, I can't give them. I think Cleveland will probably be there waiting for them because Toronto's got to show me. I still don't believe in them at all because of what I've seen and the way that they've played against, you know, LeBron-led teams in the past, Kyle Lowry has not had, you know, great postseasons. Maybe have DeMar DeRozan, so I really am not sure about them. So for me, I think the Eastern Conference Finals is very realistic. You know, I see them uh, beat Miami, and I think you know they'll absolutely obliterate Boston. Um, so I really believe the Eastern Conference Finals is probably where the run ends. But that's okay because you know going forward. Like I said, you got about 10 years of this, and you're going to have a lot of championship runs this team can to have.
1: Yeah, no, listen, I totally agree. And, and all the guys that came on before you were either Eastern Conference Finals or Finals um, just based on, you know, what this team's been doing and how the East has been kind of falling apart. Um, right. So before uh, I let you go, where can all the 215 Live listeners that – may not know about the Give and Go podcast. Where can they find you? Where can they find the podcast? And and when can they listen?
9: Yeah, we are on uh, Tuesday night, seven thirty, eight thirty, 830. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at Philly Says Go. Um, also, Instagram, Philly Says Go. And, um, you know, Nikki and ourselves, we're also a great round star. We have a great show planned for tomorrow. The Just Grubbin guys will be on. We're going to be finished up the serial tournament. Um, so we looking forward to that and you know, that's where you can find
1: us. Awesome. Mark, listen, I appreciate it. I know it's uh, late. I know you had a busy day today. Um so I appreciate you giving me a couple minutes of your time and uh we'll hey, definitely we'll def- I appreciate it. We'll definitely get you guys on and, and do a little uh collaboration later on down the road.
9: Look forward to it, man. Take
1: care. All right, brother. Thanks, Mark. All right, all right so man. so listen, um, you know, we had Andy on, he was positive. We had all the the guys from Wildfire Sports on, we're, we're positive. Uh, you know. Taylor and I seem to kind of be on the same page as far as maybe what run this team can make. I have them go in the Eastern Conference Finals as well. Um, but yeah, listen, it's it feels like Marcus just said. It's real good to have good basketball back in this city again because although everybody says it's an Eagles town, this is just as much a basketball town as it is a football town. So Sixers are an easy second. Easy. It, it's going to be a great time over the next couple of years watching this team um, do what they got to do. So that is going to about wrap it up. You hear the music. Um, we're going to be back next week with the full boat. Everybody's going to be back ready to rock. Um, hopefully we're talking about a nice Sixers playoff win. And uh, until then, check us out at underscore215live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. And anything wildfire sports, you're listening to 215 Live on Wildfire Sports. See you next week.